You're listening to the Ghostlight Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6, Burnham Wood. Macbeth is crazy, Lady Macbeth is sexy, Duncan is silly, Prince Malcolm's a dolly, Banquo's got an apple, Macbeth finds Duncan dead. Three witches dangled thrown back. Welcome back to the Ghostlight Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Mackey, and I have with me my newbies. I've got my lovely wife, Darcy Zepernick. Hello. And our good friend, Ben Pfeiffer. Howdy. And our good friend and fellow deadpanite, Amy Bowen. Hello, everybody. All right. So this, uh, this episode will be uh, Season 2, Episode 6, Burnham Wood. As I said before, Burnham Wood is, of course, a reference to Macbeth. And the uh, wood appearing at the castle in the prophecy of the witches. Ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could quote it, but I didn't write down any quotes, so I didn't write down that quote. <laughs> All right, so we are going to do a 60-second plot summary in which Ben will be trying to summarize the episode as close to a minute as possible without going over. I uh, just recently did uh, an episode of the Intro to X podcast, and it came up guest for the summary, and I ended up clocking in at around 2 minutes 10 seconds on the one-minute plot <laughs> that summary. That must just be the way you do it. Yeah, well, you know, I was going through it, and, and I was thinking, okay, I'm getting, the, I'm getting through this stuff, I'm getting stuff, I'm, I'm really establishing things, and then suddenly Robin says, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll wrap up. Anyways. And then, and then the next week, he uh, told the uh, guest who was also ending up re- recapping that, you know, don't, don't summarize everything, you don't have to be Paul Mackey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Ben, are you ready? Ready. Mm. Let me get a stopwatch going here. It's right here on the desktop. All right, Ben. I will uh, count you down, and you're okay. ready to go. In yep. three, two, one, Macbeth. All right, so this show opens up with what feels like a lost episode, but it's really uh, Richard's dream. Uh, opening credits, the goths show up. Jeffrey gets a haircut, still making changes. Let's all lie to Ellen. Jeffrey confuses Darren with reverse psychology. Richard has a youth quake. Anna fears guitars. Um, let's say shitty about funny 20 times. Make a gay man kiss a straight woman. Um, Anna's prediction, or wait, Amy's prediction about... Richard wanting to do The Pirates of Penzant comes true. Uh, the cast of Romeo and Juliet have an orgy together. Um, the witch that we never ever see the season finally shows up again. Um, the minister is a tough broad. The Asian girl freaks out again. Jeff and Ellen have a fight. Jeff switches. Um, the show set on Henry last change, but that's cool because, uh, it actually makes him off his game and he actually does a really good job. Uh, all the stoners want to see the show. Um, then, um, what else happens? What else happens? Uh, Jeffrey finally gets punched twice. Uh, Richard auditions but can't dance. Um, Jeff's hair returns to normal out of nowhere. Romeo and Juliet plotline gets tied up by a corporate speech and a sick wife. Sloan appears. Cheers to Brian. Uh, Open from scene one is played again. Everybody has sex. Uh, Poor Oliver. Roll credits. I forgot to time it. (laughs) Uh, That's great. I was timing it. I was timing it. Okay. (laughs) I had an even 60 seconds. Wow. 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 Which is a lie. I had a minute and 28 seconds and 67 <laughs> That's still pretty good. <laughs> That's, That's pretty man. good. That's pretty good. Congratulations. Was... Well done. That was a good summary, That too. was. Yes. Thorough. Thanks. I did not skip anything, I don't think. 
Now, let me ask you this, because I was obviously using my notes. Is that kosher? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Notes are important. I don't know what Ramjack would say about that. Well, I can't remember what happened, like, four hours ago, so... Well, we have children brain. All right, so, um, starting off the show, Richard enters the office and is greeted by Sanjay after he hears some commotion. In his, uh, in his closed office. Sanjay reveals that all the money for the festival has come in and is on his desk. And then, as soon as he enters his office, it's clear that it's a dream. Because everything is lit weird. There's a strange rabbit creature sitting at his, t- at his desk. Was that a rabbit creature? I thought it was a pig's head. Was it a pig's head? I thought it was like a horse or a donkey, like an ass. I'm uh, with Dan. A la yeah. Midsummer's Night Dream. Okay. Yep, that- yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. All there right. you go. Yep. That's right. I, I saw the same thing as Ben. Yes, okay. I agree. It wasn't a speaking <laughs> character in any case, so. No. Mm-hmm. It was a seated character. There was, uh, there was some various ritual art- altar uh, materials and some small coins, and... Uh, then it turns out that it really is a dream, and uh, Archer, as Richelieu, has an axe. They lay Richard's head on the table. The axe falls at the sound of the alarm clock. Richard wakes up. <laughs> and we go to the uh, opening music. Uh, one fun thing that I, that I didn't really have a place to put this uh, after I discovered it is that um, originally the guy playing Sanjay, Confiore, was supposed to be playing, they, they wanted to cast him as Henry Breedlove. And he said, oh, no, actually, this other role looks really fun. I want to do this. They had written it as a, uh Indian gentleman to try to keep, keep with multicultural rules at the network, and the network really gave, him, gave them a lot of trouble about that because suddenly they were, had this guy that was you know, supposed to be their multicultural uh, touchstone, and, uh, and suddenly they were casting Colmfiore in that role. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I think, that, uh, I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Huh. Oops, pardon me. We didn't know they had to, you know, they had like a quota. Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I well, know. it's like an unwritten law. I mean, mm-hmm. even in uh, American television. Even in American television, it's important. I, I know that uh, I, I, apparently they, they said network and they didn't say, they didn't say government. But uh, I know that in Canada, in order to get government funding for a television, which most productions in Canada actually do get, government funding, uh, there are certain guidelines they have to fit into it. They didn't say government funding in this particular case in the interview that I read, and this was with the actual creators. Mm. Alright, so with that in mind, let's play Count the Minorities in <laughs> Wings and Arrows. I know uh, the Naum yeah. and Mamali. Those are the two that I could think of. And I, and I, I, almost, oh. wonder, I almost wonder whether Emily could have, you know, what, they may have uh, adjusted the Emily role to be Asian because of the loss of the isn't, Indian. Isn't the Romeo guy Hispanic? Uh, maybe, uh, but I pretty much got a white off of him. Yeah. He may be from Spain. I agree. Yeah, okay. European yeah, sure. Hispanic. Spanish Spain. Sp- Spain Spanish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the uh, opening music, Richard's parking spot is being held by a goth giant in a van. Now, who is that dude? He's that, awesome. He's awesome. His name is Stephen Hart. Uh, he, hmm? I was say, he looks very familiar. Yeah, I, and I'm not sure. I didn't really find any roles that I, that I recognized him for. I, I know that there were a couple of things that I saw that he was like a, you know, a, a, a bit part. Right. But um, apparently he does on a national Canadian radio network, he does a rant every morning in his voice. Hmm. Hmm. Um, hmm. He was a uh, he was a sideshow. He hosted a sideshow card, Carnival Diablo, in the late '90s, early 2000s, when sideshows were the big thing. 
And he played the character Squatchy, which I wasn't able to find any details on. I suspect he was playing a Sasquatch by the name of Squatchy (laughs) on the um, Sean Cullen show in 2003. So do you think that's how he got tapped onto this? Because he's not a part of the Stratford Festival, it sounds like. I didn't really see any reference to Stratford, no. Sean Cullen is the the one link that I've noticed so far. Mm -hmm. I would recognize that as well. Uh, he was he's credited on on uh, on IMDb as giant goth guy, but in the credits just as giant man. <laughs> uh, so the giant wants his poster signed and hopes that he can score tickets. The word on the street is the tickets are rare and hard to get to, which is a surprise to Richard, who thinks that the f- festival is failing. Yeah, this came out of nowhere, right? It kind like, of yeah. yeah. It was it was. Uh, I was just like, well, that worked out nicely. What is it, a deus ex machinas or whatever? Yeah, kind of a deus ex machina. I mean, it, it's it, to some extent, it was uh, it was Sanjay's prediction coming true as he was yeah. as he was packing up to try to leave. You, it's like all of yeah. the youth buyers are on a much quicker buying cycle, and they're not going to come in until the last minute. And it turned out to be true. Yeah, to be true. Yep, it sure did. That's absolutely right. No, so I, that's. Yes. I put that in my notes. OMG, OMG, OMG. Sanjay was right. He may have been Frank Abnegale Jr., but he was still right. It is, <laughs> I was just, oh, that is so gratifying to me anyway. It is exactly what Sanjay said would happen. In the office, Anna is refusing to let Margaret the intern, uh, apparently officially aged around the neighborhood of 22 years old in the script, uh, of refusing to let her have four comps to her friends who have already seen the show in previews and want to see it again. Hang on, I don't think that ages her as 22. Well, she she's... She I think her- that ages her as younger, because she's getting them for her friends, and somebody says, are they young people? And they, she says, youngish, they're 22. Yeah. Which means to her, 22 is old. Well, she ain't 22. I know, I know. Oh, I know. She's 35. I've, no, she's no, I've looked, I've looked her up. I've looked her up. Uh, on IMDb, and assuming that IMDb is not aged down for her to get better roles, um, she was born in 75, which means when this was shot, she was 29. Hmm. And also, I, I, since I looked her up, her name is Joanne Boland, and uh, interestingly enough, she played Mary Lockwood, uh, Mary Lockwood on Copper during the first season. She was the, uh, the sister of the abortionist who ah. was blackmailing people with the ledger. Yeah, it's a good show. It was a good show. I was good. that up. That did season it, was good. Did it end? No, it's had a second season that we missed. Oh, I miss having it. Was a summer show. Mm, someday. Mm. So if you watched Copper, it was a fairly major role for a few episodes. It was. It was a good show too. But uh, Richard here, you know, Richard over here is the argument and discovers that some youth have seen the show multiple times in previews and want to get into opening as well, and he he's noticing a, a, a trend. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey enters, hygienically improved, ready for the day. Says he has an advisor now. I'm not exactly sure what he means by that. I never really worked that out. Yeah. Oh, it's Oliver. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I concluded that that was the only character that we know of who makes sense. Of course, he's had that character as an advisor all along, so I don't know. That's right. This is the first time he's brought it up to anyone, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and Richard points out the youths in the parking lot. After Jeffrey offers to have Naum chase them off, he, Richard says, no, it's good. They're, they want to see the show. Yep, this was a cool scene. I love this show. Once again, 
the day is saved in spite of everything looking completely hopeless at the end of episode 5 of the season. This time, though, the day is saved in an even more unexpected way, as we were just talking about. Also, I realized when Richard was looking down out of the window at the young people in the top in the parking lot, that this is the reason why this episode was titled Burnham Wood. By the way, I did go ahead and Google the quote. It's, Macbeth shall never vanquished be until great Burnham Wood to high Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. And I wrote in my notes, In the play, Macbeth and everyone else thought it was impossible for Burnham Wood to come to Dunsinane, the castle, until it happened. The opposing army approached the castle using branches cut from that wood as camouflage. In the TV show, Richard and everyone else thought it was impossible for the theater festival to find a new audience of young people until it happened. And now an army of young people is besieging the festival, and Richard is looking down from them from the castle walls, just like Macbeth must have. The big difference, of course, is that this is the moment when Richard realizes he's won, while Macbeth realized he was about to be defeated. But it was still really cool that's to a really me. Good, that's a really good tie. I like that. that yeah, is. totally. <laughs> Yay! Thank Would you. Good job. That. Thank you so much. <laughs> I like that as well, especially because I'm picturing him looking down through his blinds, you know, looking down mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from Castle on High. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, great choice of shooting there, totally. I thought. And then uh, Maria says that the secret meeting without Ellen and Henry is set, but expresses her misgivings about deceiving Ellen. I will avoid making actual quotes in this scene, but uh, <laughs> Jeffrey convinces her that Ellen's not that great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by Maria. pointing out yes. by pointing out how many menial tasks Ellen has gotten Maria to do for her. Exactly. And Maria comes around. Then Jeffrey gives her a big huge list of changes to the set and lighting cues and everything and she somewhat bulks at that as well. Uh after a brief awkward greeting with Maria, Ellen grills Jeffrey about whether he actually has Henry back in the show and after he says it's all actually true, they're relatively civil to each other. And uh, Jeffrey moves on to his meeting with Darren. Uh, Jeffrey assures Darren that he'll have the extra Fresnels he needs, but Jeffrey won't be attending the show. He takes some pills, apparently, and breaks down, showing Darren a photo from the early 80s in their youth, producing Godspell and crying about how full of life Romeo and Juliet is and how dead Jeffrey is inside. And Jeffrey says if he was directing it, he'd be directing it exactly the way that Darren's directing it. Of course, uh, Darren doesn't think that he's been interfering with his rehearsals, so... Yeah. Um, And then uh, Darren departs as Jeffrey dissolves into sobs, and Oliver asks how he can cry that way, and Jeffrey breaks his act. (laughs) He's a good actor. Mm Mm-hmm. He is a good actor. I put, Jeffrey, you sly fox, I was fooled by that crying thing, too. A little surprised, since we've never seen Jeffrey cry like that, and it really seemed to come out of nowhere, which should have clued me in that Jeffrey was just faking it to convince Darren to do the play right, but mm-hmm. I confess to being totally clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, and I'm, I'm in one of those situations where I can't recall when I first saw it what I felt about it. You know, I mean, I, I, since, since I knew watching it in rewatch that it was an act I felt like it was an act all along but I don't remember whether I felt like it was an act the first time I felt like it was an act yeah but I mean it it totally seemed like the whole thing was you know he was chorusing him and it was fine and you know I was on to him but so I was I mean I was expecting him to break you know character right 
But it was it was still funny when he did it. Yeah, when, yeah. when Oliver talked to him and he suddenly just mm-hmm. went to, went. Yeah, normal. I was expecting it, but when it didn't happen right away, I was like, oh, it was awesome. What was what was in the picture with him? It uh, looks like, like a dolphin or something. I, no, I don't know Godspell. It was a, a was it a yeah. prop from Godspell? Yeah, sure looked. I agree. It did look like an inflatable dolphin. I don't know what Godspell. I know Godspell is a play. I have no idea. Yeah, what I don't know much about though. it. Anybody? I have to be honest. I've uh, I've always been out on the fringes. I don't think I've ever seen it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I know nothing either. It's gone Sorry. on near me, and I had nothing to do with it. So. You were God, well, I mean, there's a adjacent. large, large inflatable dolphin scene. Apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's a, I believe famously there is a, a clothing optional scene in the show. Yeah, I, I know that. But I don't know what the context is i think i get it i get it mixed up with two other shows so yeah what, what shows do you think I get which it mixed shows up? You you know, i want you guys you guess you guess you guess I'll tell you hair. that's one of them yep jcs nope. jesus christ uh, nope. Superstar? Is that what you're Joseph? saying nope. no 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 that would be a good one but no um close you were close paul huh. with joseph color i said joseph oh yeah joseph's yeah, my, yeah okay. i get that i get them all mixed up they're all like the same thing in my head because <laughs> yeah, they're all hippie plays mm-hmm <laughs> yes. In the early '80s, they were youths, and they were they were com- comrades. comrades. Back during their youthquake. Yep. Youthquake. <laughs> that was news to me. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by that, but I never realized there was a time when Jeffrey and Darren were friends and comrades. That there was, was at cool least... to find out. Yeah, totally. But I think there was at least one time. I can't remember if it was this <laughs> season or last season where they had a moment <laughs> of camaraderie. I think, I think it was this maybe. season when he came back at the very beginning. It might have been. I, I know that they, they were they were on pretty good terms when Jeffrey fired him at the end of the uh, when when he fired him off of uh, Hamlet during the first season. Maybe that's what it was, and they and they kind of joked about it. They, they met they met in the office, and and Jeffrey said you're fired, and he kind of said thank you, and then they uh, they the, as as Darren packed up, they sort of had a conversation oh, yeah. that was relatively candid. Yeah, I think that's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking of. Uh, Anna says there's a chanting mob at the box office, and Richard decides that this is Sanjay's youthquake. <laughs> yep, sure is. And she also says that uh, they have guitars, mm. which I didn't realize that is, um, you know, it's a siege weapon of the of the uh, youth crowd. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know anybody who carries around a guitar, and if they do, that's usually an acoustic guitar, and they're yeah. gonna play. Like Dave Matthews Band type stuff or hippie stuff. Yeah, you, you got to imagine they're they're carrying acoustics. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're carrying a mini amp and a, and an electric. Right. So yeah. acoustic though, it it just seems like Anna was like afraid of them, afraid of the kids or whatever. I didn't really yeah. get that joke. And, like, she, and, she's, that... and she seems like former hippie herself. So uh... right. No, because she was from a small town. Oh, that's right. She's from so a small she's town. Conservative. She's not. Okay, you're right. I'm th- I'm thinking too much about Susan Coyne probably. You are. It was just it was just a weird. The, you think they could have said something better than they have guitars? That just seemed very. It, for me, it landed flat. Yeah. Not to mention that I own six guitars, so maybe that's why I took offense. But <laughs> <laughs> guitar owners unite. <laughs> yeah, it's just it just seemed like if you're gonna make a joke about like how scary young people are, guitars doesn't seem very scary to me. I don't know. Yeah, well, we don't see we don't see how scary those yeah. guitar wielders are. So yeah, no, that all happens been, off camera. Well, they, they all look like, like a, giant goth man. Right there you go. <laughs> then they, they might be kind of flying scary. B guitars, where like the the actual ones look like actual axes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It's just weird. It was weird. Anyways. <laughs> it's, a, it's a folk musician hippie thing. She's scared. I think she's afraid of them because they're folk musicians and hippies and they yeah, look yeah. like they might be starting a protest mob. Or they have drugs. Maybe she's afraid of the drugs. I was thinking uh, that, yeah, they're going to drop yeah, the acid too. and Abby Hoffman's going to come on stage <laughs> start damning America. Know. Never know. Never know. Crazy kids. It seems like it seems like it's only a day or two before Romeo and Juliet is set to premiere, and they're still doing a tech rehearsal with a Q to Q. Is that late? Say it again. How far out? It seems like they're only a day or two because this is the this is the day they're they're uh, they're premiering uh, Macbeth. But is this? They have an entire week apparently. Oh, it's still a week. Yeah. They said at the very end, the last show of opening week is Romeo and Juliet. Right. So this uh, is, yes, the, this is right. early, early in the week with Macbeth and then late yeah. in the week with Romeo and Juliet. It still seems late for a Q to Q. It's, um, no, it's not late for a Q to Q. Because also, if if you're sharing spaces, oh yeah, a lot of times you, got, you have to wait for that stage time mm-hmm. until the very, very end. And you might not, you might not even get more than like... Um, like three days with your Q to Q and tech can only be two days. Yeah, it was hard to tell whether the whether Romeo and Juliet was being staged at the Rose as well or if they had a second stage. I'm having a hard time with that too, but it, it seemed like a different stage. Yeah. Well, did it have the uh, the thrust? It did not no. appear to have the thrust. It, it looked like more like it was a black box production almost. Mm-hmm. Sort of, but not no, exactly. No, it wasn't black box. No, it was because of that box. big chess piece thing, like the board was mm-hmm. behind them. Yeah, yeah they were, no, I guess you're right. There was still, a, there was still an audience uh, yeah. space. And a proscenium. I love the cages. But it's 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 definitely a different stage than the one they're doing Macbeth on, though. Yeah, we know that. I think so. Yeah, totally. So, uh, but but so so yay for the slings and arrows costume designer and and poor poor, poor uh, Romeo and Juliet costume designers. <laughs> their costumes go completely out the window. Oh my god! Exactly. Can you, can Absolutely. you imagine? I can't. I well. I mean, I've had like things cut, and I've been disappointed. But I can't imagine having it all just tossed. Well, I mean, and, and this yeah. is and this, all of the work. Costume and, designers. And this is like two shows in a row, too, because uh, Macbeth or uh, Hamlet, the previous season, yeah, was. They, tossed they went, went oh, to the yeah. rehearsal close. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And that is true. Yeah, those poor costume designers. About the costumes, my note regarding that says everyone is dressed like a chess piece. Consistent with Darren's earlier line, they are not characters, they are signifiers. Now, the chess theme would totally make sense for any of Shakespeare's plays that have a lot of political intrigue going on. (laughs) Romeo and Juliet, however, is not one of them. Certainly, politics is a factor because of the, you know, the two big feuding noble families, but it takes a backseat to the romance. Yeah. I was. I kind of agree with you, and I. Th- I think the only thing that they could possibly go on is that you know Montagues are the white pieces and the Capulets <laughs> yeah, are the black pieces, exactly. and that's uh-huh. the only way yeah. that that would that's work. Right. But that's not. I mean, that is a big part of that play. Yes, uh, and all the action is a- around that that conflict. Conflict. Too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what it, would the monk be in that, in that situation? Because he's bishop, a neutral player. But he's but a neutral oh, player. Yeah. He's a neutral, oh, neutral right. bishop. Yeah, that's right. He could be the time clock. Yeah, the, <laughs> the chess clock. Uh, so anyway, in the actual scene, uh, we've got uh, um, Darren going through the queue to queue. His, uh, we see his vision of Romeo and Juliet as it stands with the chess pieces, the weird geometric grid on the stage and the cages. I thought that looked pretty cool, actually. I thought so, <laughs> yeah. too. It did look amazing, but... Especially the backdrop. 
Yeah. He even even briefly gets to gets to directing it to say more gray, and they pull out the yellows from the uh, from the stage lights. Uh, Patrick and Sarah commiserate over how bad the production is, and that they're stuck in it for twelve weeks, literally stuck in cages for twelve weeks. Um, but they decide to kiss, and the company gasps. <laughs> and uh, um, just one one note before we get to the uh, the pneumon of the scene. Uh, but uh, they did say in this interview that I read recently. I, I I can't really direct you guys to it because it covers all three seasons. Right. But okay. uh, but they did say that that they felt they they did not mean to give the uh, impression that the the uh, the cliche all all gay people secretly want to be straight that sort of thing. But they 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 more meant that they've actually seen this happen during single productions, especially road productions, where people get you know tied up together and you, even blurring those that that exact line. But that usually, as soon as the road show or whatever is done, that suddenly it's you know it was connected to the show. It wasn't connected to a relationship. And people tend to go back to the way they were. Right. Right. I mean, if you think about any any Hollywood relationship that has started during a film, it, do those tend to last? It doesn't seem like they do. No, and it's <laughs> Brad not and us. Did. did they start oh. with they did Mr. and Mrs. Smith together? And uh, but did they start with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, or did they start before that and do Mr. and Mrs. Smith after they were in a relationship? I'm pretty sure that that is where the relationship started. I don't right, remember. When all that shit was I actually they do remember. They never, ever time. last forever. Doesn't, well. They don't. So far, I so good with them. I can't. I, like, ever? It's, it's coming. Like, never, ever? Not, no, not that I'm aware of. Hmm. I, I mean, there, there could be maybe one or two people, but generally speaking, no. Never, ever. Never, ever. Together. Like, ever. Ever, ever. Hmm. Never. Ever, ever. Ever, ever. Ever, ever, ever? No. no. Horrible. Yeah. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's okay. Well, by the time we get this released, it'll be you know April. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ridiculously behind, especially because I don't know how many listeners we really have. I'd love it if some of those listeners out there would tell us. Uh, don't worry about it. Or they're listening in that uh, watching ahead. Of- I'm still having a good time. Awesome. Yeah. Totally. Cool. That's all that matters. Uh huh. That we're Agreed. having a good time. I am too. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. It's a book club for television. <laughs> it hey, is. I mean, that's I'm okay. even drinking booze. This is awesome. There you go. Uh, Darren blows up. Says that he hates the whole thing. He is not a zombie, and he releases the cast until a later meeting when they're going to do a mysterious exercise that he names. Which I had never heard of that name. You've never heard of the Belkowski exercise? Well, guess what? I googled the Belkowski exercise, and all of the Google links pointed to slings and arrows. <laughs> <laughs> and I will have more on the Belkovsky exercise in a moment when we get to the actual okay, exercise. Okay, 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 okay. All right. Settle down, Doris. Uh, before you, before you move on. Yes. I this I just applauded and laughed so much when Darren finally had his re- reawakening and decided to throw out his production design. It was the combination of seeing Patrick and Sarah kissing and what Jeffrey said and did that gave Darren the dose of perspective he needed to realize that what he was doing was stupid and to remind him of what why he really loves the pro- profession he got into. Uh, it kind of reminded me of Anton Ego, the antagonist at the end of Ratatouille, who asks for and gets perspective. <laughs> and also I loved the, the way they combined Darren's enunciation of I hate it all with the music was just so perfect for this moment. This show's production values are awesome. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, th- I agree with you. I think that, that the kiss was supposed to be a trigger 
and for it to be like that that breaking point that he yeah, has definitely of, of yeah yeah i mean uh, jeffrey got the the wheels turning he was looking at the looking contemplatively at the photo when he was when he was you know think when he was paying it t- some attention to the uh, QDQ and all that all right uh, Frank and Cyril remove their ridiculous garb backstage, and Richard reveals that he is secretly into musical theater. <laughs> uh, he wants to audition for the Gilbert and Sullivan musical and asks Frank and Cyril for their help and coaching for his audition. He's- Which I think uh, someone predicted at the beginning of this season. Or maybe it was the end of last season. Darcy's raising her hand. I know. I, I thought it was Amy who said it. I do not remember. I'd have to listen right. back to the episode, okay. well, but yes, it was Darcy's, definitely one of us. Darcy's claiming it, so. Well, I I think it was me that thought that, but. <laughs> it was Amy. Okay. <laughs> it either or. Someone predicted Paul? it, and uh, they were 100% right. I'm sure that it was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, and he wants to get luggy. <laughs> well, I know that how not to. <laughs> Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, he's going to do the Modern Major General, and uh, that's what he has done in the past on the show already. And the name of that play is... The that's Pirates, Pirates of Pants. Okay. okay, I just want to make sure that I was right on that. Although, Pirates although, without pants is what we like to call it. Although, although I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not clear as to whether that's the actual production he's auditioning for, or whether that's just his audition piece. They, they just call it the, the Gilbert and Sullivan musical. They don't really say which one it is hmm. in the, that, they're, that he's actually auditioning for. Because they can't. But I think say he that. says, I think he says Major General, and they say, oh, that's they they kind of feign like that's not obvious or anything. Yeah, they do say, oh, you picked the Major General. Yeah, exactly. That's what he picked. But uh, whether that's what you know, whether that's just his best example of a Gilbert and Sullivan piece, or whether that's uh, actually the show that they're doing, I don't remember. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that it's, makes sense. It's overdone. Well, at the beginning the of the season, at the beginning of this this season of television, he did say what the whole season was. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think Pirates is part of it. Pirates yes. is on there, yeah. and maybe I that's when Amy spoke up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> might have been. Or when Darcy did. Or when Darcy mm-hmm. did. No, I think I think it has been quoted twice or predicted mm-hmm. twice. All right then. Probably. That's fair. I know that I did not predict it. I didn't either. <laughs> You've seen the show. You, I've seen the show. I can't. I can't make it? predictions. Oh, okay. Have you seen <laughs> Pirates Without Pants? Um, no, I've seen Topsy Turvy. Oh, okay. I've seen Bronson Pinchot. Which I highly recommend, Topsy Turvy. <laughs> yeah, okay. You've seen Topsy Turvy? Uh, probably, but I don't remember. Ah, it's you, a Gil- it's the story of Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, in yeah. in one huh. one eye and out the ear or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't. I don't. I don't hold on to much. All right then. Anymore. It's highly recommended. Everybody go see Topsy Turvy. All right. <laughs> okay. Is on my list now. It should be. It's uh, uh, in, in all. Seriousness. I think it always has been, and yeah. I just have never seen it. It's um. Uh, oh, who's the director? Is a, it, uh, I think it's a Baz Luhrmann. Is it? Is it? No, it's a. It's a Mike. Uh, I was gonna say it's Mike Lee. Or it's Mike Lee. Like I think it is Mike yeah. Lee. Yeah. I was gonna say Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, it is Mike Mike Lee. That's right. Because Baz, that, Luhrmann would have taken it much much further. <laughs> well, Moulin Rouge came out around the same time. Yeah. Similar production. Uh, well, same value. similar cast. Yeah, I think I, I can see the the lead ringleader. Yeah, Ruth, yeah. I'm trying like, to remember I, his name has dropped out on me, but uh, yeah, I mean, he was in both. 
Anyways, yeah, it's dropped Welcome out. to Ben and Paul talk about movies from almost, the 1990s. Almost talk about movies. <laughs> okay, Tangible. Is that really from the 90s? Both of those, yes. Both of those are oh, from the late 90s. Oh, holy hell. <laughs> it's getting, what, really? That long ago? Uh, no, is it? Oh, no, Moulin Rouge was... was Maybe 2001. Moulin Rouge was I... while, we were, while we were not married. But, you know, between, between marriages. Yeah. I didn't go with you. I know that. Yeah, we were married, and then we weren't married, and then we were married again. I, went, I think I and went I with my was, sister. Yeah, it was it was it was it was it was two thousand one. It must yep. have been. Had no, to have been. According to, I just looked it up. Yes, according to IMDb, it was two thousand one. And Jim Broadbent was in both. Yes. Finally worked out that name. Good job. There we go. And Topsy Turvy was ninety nine. There we go. And and Mike Lee. Uh, I was looking at it. It was directed by Mike Lee. There and we go. He was the uh, writer. Good. That's solved. Okay. Ring a ding a ding ding. Settle down. Set settled. Set, it is settled. Settled in. <laughs> we settle down. Um, the Romeo and Juliet cast has reconvened, uh, nude except for their robes, for the Bilkovsky exercise. They coat their pe- hands in glow paint, turn out the lights, and have a healthy grope. Grope. The Belkowski name, as I said, seems to all, all, all references point to this, but it did point to that interview with the three creators that I read. And what they said was that exercise was actually performed when Bob Martin was in present, was, was present for it at uh, Second City Toronto. What it, whatever it might be called, it might not actually have a name, but Belkowski is apparently uh, fabricated for the show. But someone's mm. done it. Fascinating. Clearly. I think that it would have been more beneficial if everybody kind of like closed their eyes and turned around a few times first. Because right before the lights go off, you if there's somebody you want to touch, you would know exactly where to go. And definitely several, that right. definitely several members of the cast had probably uh, been involved. I mean, obviously Patrick said he'd done it before. And uh, it sounded as though Frank and Cyril had because they said, let's stick together this time. <laughs> yep. So... Uh, mm-hmm. They, they play it up as, it's, as though it's a notoriously famous uh, thing. And uh, like I said, it apparently has happened, but whether it's notoriously famous, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not called the Wilkowski exercise, whatever it is. Hmm. Fascinating. Good to know. I wonder who that, what that name means or who that name is a reference. Maybe it's just some friend they had when they were all together yeah. Stratford. Yeah, because I looked, I looked up Bilkowski, and I think I can't... Uh, I, by itself? By, by itself, you know, with, yeah. without the exercise. And uh, I... I, I must confess I did not write down, but I believe it was either like a like an engineer or mathematician or something like that that totally was not connected to the creative arts. Right. Was the only Bolkowski that came up. No cats in boxes. No, no, no Schrodinger. Schrodinger. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but of course, now that we're talking about it and I've looked it up before, I'm going to look it up again. Why not? Because I can. And because, uh, you know... Because we have the internet. Because we're having a good time. Because we're st- we're, we, we are, are talking through the internet. Obviously, we have access to the internet, and therefore, Bell of What was the guy who rang a bell and his dog drooled? Pavlov. That's, that's Pavlov. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Pavlov. Stanislav Belkovsky was a Russian political analyst, according to Wikipedia, and it's also an island in the New Siberian Islands archipelago. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing political analysts uh, commentary on Russian mafia, exiled oligarch. Uh, he also has written a biography claiming that uh, Vladimir Putin lives a sexless life and is latently gay. I would buy that. Yeah, that's that's current enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, once you hit Bel- Belkovsky exercise, you get slings and arrows, slings and arrows, slings and arrows. 
uh, a Facebook page dedicated to Belkovsky exercise. <laughs> awesome. Ooh, I don't think I'm going to check that out. Creative theater games and theater exercises. This is a different website mm. entirely. Well, check that one out. That one is bef- and is dated before. It's dated the 2004. That's before this uh, episode was sh- shot. Mm. Uh, however, I think I, I think that was a theater exercise and not under Belkowski because uh, this oh. seems to be mostly for uh, schools and classrooms, and does not mention anything like that on that site. Oh, because I, yeah, I have Belkovsky Exercise Theater as my search terms. It autofilled for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Exercise Theater is what that was. It was not going to Belkovsky at all. But yes, all the Belkovsky Exercise seems to be connected to the Slings and Arrows show. Yep, that's all I'm getting. Oh, hmm. I could I could try Exercise Theater Glow Paint. Okay, <laughs> but just just once. Can't go yeah. down. Can't go down the Google uh, rabbit hole too much. Glue paint. Glow paint. Elementary classes? Yeah, well, that's that's learning. <laughs> I'm sure they're not doing the exercise there. That's got that's got theater games and then learn the art of paper lanterns. Learn vocal exercises. Learn glow in the dark painting. <laughs> now the uh, Amazon.com glow in the dark body paint kit. Fun. That's uh. You that's didn't closer. get me that for Valentine's. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have. It would have been funny. Would you? Did you get an eye patch? No, I didn't get an eye patch. What the hell, Paul? I got a card. She she bought the eye patch for Fox actually. So <laughs> I didn't buy one for Paul. After, after Fox goes to bed, though, I could put the eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's and, and, and then we can talk about that show about how you're going to swim without pants. Okay, there we go. All right, I could find an elephant mask. So then the witch shows up, who we haven't yes. really seen this That's right, at the, at the opening, at the Macbeth opening. Uh, it's like a rock show crowd. Moyer congratulates Richard, saying, it's all yours now. And uh, Richard has to interrupt a shoving match between the usher and the minister of culture. Was she um, only in the first and the last episode? Was she in the second episode? I can't remember. When did the, the school play happen? Was that the first or second episode? The school play was further into the series, uh, season. Um, okay. Because Moya was there, right? Yeah, yep, Moya was. Right, right. She was. She was. That was the second, sh- second show, wasn't it? Because when she showed so. up in this episode, I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that lady." Yeah. Um, no, Moya, Moira is in the very first episode because she's uh, backstage. Yeah. Is, is she all three witches? Yeah, she kind of is. Okay. Um, and three appearances, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're gonna, that's kind of like grasping for a straw, but why not? Yeah, the grade schools in the second episode, Fallow Time, but she does appear in Season's End, backstage at the show mm-hmm. for the last right. episode of the or the last well, show. Well, that's of the that's oh, what yeah. she kind of like the that's... pre. Yeah, she's there. She she first appears during the the close the close of the the season in the first episode. She also appears in Fallow Time at the school. Right, mm-hmm. and first episode she curses him. Now let me ask you this: In Hamlet, uh, the witches appear more than once, right? No, they in appear- Macbeth. Don't yes. you mean Macbeth? Macbeth? Yes. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. In Macbeth, uh, the witches appear more than once, right? Do they appear? Oh three yes, times? twice, two or three just- times. That first scene, that mm-hmm. very first scene, when it's just them, mm-hmm. them, and yeah. then there's another one. I think it might be Act One, Scene Three, where they meet Macbeth for the first time, and then much later on, I think in Act Three, there's a third scene right. where Macbeth goes back to them because he wants to hear more predictions. I, be- I believe he he goes back to the witches. They say, "Beware Macbeth." <laughs> yep, beware exactly. my Macbeth. Macduff. Oh, <laughs> and Macduff's wife or 
and child. But it, it is interesting <laughs> that uh, Moyer appears three times in this episode, in this season. Oh, well, this and is she so does it in twice, once in the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, first episode, once in the second episode. So that's kind of like, you know, in the first act. And then mm-hmm. at the very, very end, but in the beginning of the very, very end, I don't know, I'm just kind of, yeah. there is kind of a mirror there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is. Yeah. Good catch. There you go. I Good job. I didn't catch that. I so, just now nice. piece it together, so, and it is rather pieced together, so. But if that was intentional, that's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, yeah, and the Minister of Culture gets in a shoving match with the usher. Richard breaks it up. Yep. <sighs> Um, Henry, uh, backstage in the dressing rooms, indulges in a literal, uh, literal self-love, apparently. Uh, that is a photo of himself that he kisses, correct? Yes. <laughs> oh, I must have been looking away or writing a note. I missed that. Yes, he takes a picture of himself off of his, uh, off of his dressing room mirror and kisses it and puts it back. <laughs> and all the other photos around it are of him as well. Every, every I mean- photo in his room are of, of him. Do you think people really do that? I mean, even the most, like, even Kanye West, like, the most, like, self-centered person I can think of, I don't think that he actually kisses a physical photograph of himself. There's one guy I can can totally imagine do that. Do you remember, I'm trying to remember the dude's name, he was, like, Andrew Perry. Do you remember him? No, what's that connected to? From film school. From film school. No. You know what the dude did? Okay, what? He went in his dorm room and he wrote his name. Well, you know, one time, another time. He wrote it all over the walls. Okay. Of, of, his, of his dorm room. Of his dorm room. He was just so into himself. No, I do not recall this gentleman at all. You don't? No. Oh, okay. Was he one of Patrick's friends? Um, he wasn't his friend, for sure, because okay. the dude didn't have any friends because the dude was so into himself. So into himself. He didn't need any friends, really. Okay. Yeah. You don't right. remember him, huh? No, I don't remember him at all. Andrew something Perry. I just remember that. But, but if he was more if he was more contemporary with Patrick, I didn't I did not uh He continued on in school. Well, so yeah, I'm it sure. wasn't just my first year he was there. He continued on. You you would have crossed paths for sure. Perhaps. But all right. I just remember Ben. Oh god. Yeah, fuck Worsh- that dude. Ben, worshipper no. of <laughs> worshipper of of uh, what Tarantino? No, not, not even Tarantino. Uh, Waters. Yeah, he was like big into Waters. Well, Waters came to. Well, Waters came to school. MSU. He too. used my potty. Waters used your bathroom he in your apartment. My, ba- my bathroom in my apartment. You had water in your loo. Waters. Uh, <laughs> I had John Waters in my yes, loo. I know. <laughs> John Waters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, there you go. He, he, did he go to school there? Is that what you said? Or was no, he John, just John Waters was doing a lecture. He, was he did a uh, lecture. Okay. He did a guest lecture. Although, you know, I guess the only, the only like, famous person that was actually there at the same time as us is Sarah Vowell. Mm. I... You said you met her a couple of times. She, she hung out with Patrick and Ben and such. Oh, yeah, her. And now she's famous. Well, I went her. to school with Jake Lloyd. Oh, there, there you go. go. Do you know who Jake Lloyd is? Yes. Of course I do. Okay. Of course. And by I went to school, I mean, I think that he was, uh, had entered in as a freshman as I was leaving in as a 25-year-old. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, wow. Okay. We, we, we Anakin? We Anakin. <laughs> yep. He went in for directing uh, concentration. I don't know whatever oh, cool. happened to that, but, yeah. Well, good for him. wonder how that turned out. I've never seen a uh, movie by him. Yeah. He's probably a dub monkey. A dead monkey? A no, dub, dub monkey. monkey. 
Hey, dub monkeys are cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Which right. means someone who does automated dialogue replacement. What not, exactly? Not quite. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, we'll let go that ahead. go. We're, we're on a tangent now. Okay, a deep, tangent. deep, okay, okay. deep, <laughs> deep We've deep gone tangent. way, way too far. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey, yeah, we are. Jeffrey wishes uh, wishes Henry good luck, wishes him to break a leg. Henry says he'll do his best, and Jeffrey says, well, that's all oh, we yes. can expect. <laughs> Emily, Emily Lou brags to Maria about setting all the props. Maria says, good show, good job. Uh, then she says she told off Ellen for being late and uh, said that uh, Ellen claims she didn't even know there was a cast meeting. And Maria is... Appropriately horrified. And then, immediately afterwards, Emily sobs a confession of her error to Jeffrey in the hallway. Emily stor- uh, Ellen storms up and Ellie, El- Emily runs off. Uh, Ellen's on her way to uh, tell Henry exactly what is going on, which we don't actually know what's going on just yet. Um, but Jeffrey has Naum lock Ellen in her dressing room. Yay! This is my favorite part of the whole show. There you go. <laughs> Um, uh, so, uh, th- that's all, uh, that's all behind the scenes stuff. And then the show actually gets underway. Uh, in the show, Henry is exasperated to discover that his favorite entrances are blocked and his exits are changed. Yep. There's a literal wall where he comes in normally. And, uh, as, uh, Jeffrey says, there's a great big honking flat where his exit normally would be. What's a honking flat? Uh, I think it's pretty much just a a, a really large flat. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I don't think it really honks. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't need that. Not really. Uh, you, <laughs> if you fly in a flat, it's supposed to be silent. <laughs> Ideally. Um, so. Uh, it, uh, yeah, okay, okay, yes. And at, that, at somewhere around this point, Henry complains, this is not theater, this is improvisation. improvisation. Yes. And Jeffrey answers, that's a kind of theater. He's absolutely <laughs> right, yeah. it is. Uh. Yes, there was an improv comedy group at my university. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Naum releases Ellen from cat- captivity. Uh, Henry rages at Jeffrey. Ellen comes to Jeffrey to do the same before her entrance, but he convinces her that she knows what she has to do. She convinces her to do the body wash sequence, which everybody in the cast is, you know, is is betting on whether she's going to do or not, and everyone hopes that she is. Everyone being uh, frank in that particular case. But uh, Henry was not prepared for the uh, body wash. Yes, he was not prepared to be pirates with pants off. This this, this was the place where I was thinking back before we actually started the podcast. You know, that would be a great place to talk about Scrooge and forgetting to set his his, uh, costume. We've already been there. We've been way past that. Yeah, yeah, we did already do that. (laughs) Always always make sure you you set your costume. Yeah. did, did anybody else think that that was kind of a fucked up thing to do to Henry? A little bit. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, that it really sound, crossed the line. It sounded I, like they were. It sounded like they were anticipating. I mean, was was there supposed to be underpants? I, I, it seemed the way they were claiming no. it all along that there were not supposed to be. Correct. So exactly. By so, not prepared, did it mean you wanted to get a half chub going or something? Probably uh, something like that. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying to strip someone naked in front of an entire theater like that against their will, <laughs> and especially as they have explicitly said that they are uncomfortable and do not want to do that, to do that to them anyways is fucked up. <laughs> yes, just a little. 
Yeah. I don't if it, care. If it was a girl, if it was a girl, if it's a girl, if it's a man, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. still a form. No, I'm of, saying that. Yeah, no, uh, violation. Yeah, we're, we're saying we're saying if yeah. it was a girl, it would be you know the shoe would be entirely on the other foot. This would be an outrage, gigantic it wouldn't even outrage. Be a question. It wouldn't even be a question, and it is a question, and it shouldn't be. There yeah. you go. Yeah, right, it's a double exactly. standard there, but right. agree totally. I was just I put myself in Henry's position and. I would have flipped the fuck out and broken character and sued the shit out of this company. Yeah. Although it, it was, it, I mean, it was at least not, it was not completely out of left field. It wasn't as though he had never heard of it before and doing it. Well, you know, he, although he did expressly uh, express, re, uh, yeah, not liking the he idea. Wasn't going he wasn't, to do was that. not going he to do that. Refused. So. He, he refused. He Numerous times he refused. He left the show because of it, or maybe he got fired because he wouldn't do it. I mean, it was, it was that important to him that he would, he was willing to be fired from the show. Not only that, but I mean, like, they put him in a weird psychological state to keep him frantic and, you know, confused and terrified, I think he used the word, so that when mm-hmm. that moment happened, he wasn't of the right mind to just shove Ellen off of him. I don't know. I As this was happening, I my jaw kind of dropped as to, like, this... I, I think this is supposed to be funny or powerful or whatever, but I kind of got rubbed the wrong way. Yeah. It was it was uncomfortable, for sure. Yeah, it certainly was. Now that you mention it, you're right. They were kind of going uh, beyond the bounds of, it's just for the sake of good theater. Well, sure it is, but still. Right, but technically, I mean, a person got harmed. Right. He was he was he was stripped mm-hmm. against his will after expressly uh, rejecting consent to do so. Right, and then the exactly. audience members even Precisely. say it was gratuitous. So there you go. I thought it was what? good. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was, it was gratuitous. <laughs> what? <laughs> the nudity. Exactly. I didn't think the stutter loop was funny. No, that wasn't very good. I, I wasn't. Oh, like, you didn't like that? Oh, I, I wasn't. Thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. I was I was not too amused by the uh, that bit. By the stutter loop. The bit. <laughs> the bit. Uh, there's some tension as to whether Henry is going to continue the show as they're at act break and Henry is locked in his dressing room. I did write down here that as Henry was exiting the stage or whatever, or no, when he came out of the dressing room, yes. he, he should have punched Jeffrey. That was a good time for it. That would have been a good time for it, yep. And not said anything and just gone on and done the rest of the show. That would have been more powerful than whatever cheap line he threw out. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think I have it as a quote, but someone else might. Anybody else have that one as a quote? I do not. No. no. Okay. So he says, he says uh, "What kind of uh, what kind of insane entrance do you have dreamed up for me now, uh, popping out of some fucking wedding cake?" I believe was uh, was. It's uh, still a paraphrase. It's yep. pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Oliver checks in on things briefly. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Oliver during this uh, episode. Uh, TV, yeah. Uh, Is this the? No, it's not the first time we see. Him. It's not the first time in the episode. I don't. Think. No. When's the first time no, we yeah, see him? At the yeah. table with Darren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. How do you cry How like you that? Cry like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That. Um, he, has, he was surprisingly absent a lot during this, though. But there's a lot of other shit going on. So yes. So this is the time where he decides that it's time for him to go on as the ghost, even if it is uh, apparently only for Jeffrey's benefit. He acts as though it's for everybody, and Jeffrey mm-hmm. kind of plays along. <laughs> Jeffrey actually tries to stop him from going on as though anybody else is going to see him at all. <laughs> That's right. And I put in my notes, I liked this moment. We know how important this bit of staging is to Oliver. He said so in the last episode. And, you know, in a, in a way, both Oliver and Jeffrey get their way. Oliver gets to stage the ghost with the look that he wanted, 
even though no one can see it except Oliver and Jeffrey. And to everyone else, both the other actors and the audience, the chair appears empty, which is what Jeffrey wanted. So that's a that was a good way to end it. It's a win-win for everybody. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Uh, Jerry's <laughs> fight scene with Macbeth is moved downstage because of an extra tree. Uh, Jeffrey instructs Jerry not to die quickly to some good effect. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Me too. So did I. And uh, following on that scene, um, Jeffrey also gets the last fight to be moved down onto the expensive and underutilized thrust. And that scared me. It did, huh? So did I. Did anybody else keep repeating, don't fall off the stage, don't fall off the stage, yes! don't fall off the stage? I, did. <laughs> I, 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 I believe I believe also uh, t- something along the lines of don't hit any audience members with swords. Yeah, <laughs> that it looked too, like yes. that was about to happen. Yes. You kind of you kind of skipped a big uh, part. Okay. Did we? Where Henry forgets his line and Jerry saves oh, him. Oh, oh that's, yes, that's right. True. That's yeah, true. I right. thought that was a great. That was great. From one Macbeth to it another. It was. I, there was yeah, some I, weird. Yeah, exactly. The parallel between mm-hmm. the two Macbeths. There was some kind of weird, like clicking, like timer yeah. or whatever. When he kept saying the same line yeah. over and over, that kind of was a little. Yeah. Odd, I think that was score. Yeah, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I thought. I think it was too, but. It just seemed weird, but but I really did like that he looked off to the stage and Jerry was just locked eyes on him, super serious, and whispered the next word, and he caught it and went on. I thought that yeah, was a great cool. scene. Yes, I and this scene made me realize that even if this is your fourth time playing this part, which we know this is Henry's fourth time playing the uh, Mackers, right. if uh, if you're sufficiently thrown off of your game by these all these changes you can still forget your lines no matter how many times you've delivered them right and this would have been the first time that he came back on stage after being depanced uh <laughs> you know, oh, so, no no right? the, the, banquet. Okay. the banquet oh you're right after you're the right. banquet scene you're that's right uh it, this is a this is a handy time to mention it because i didn't mention it before because i didn't know it before uh the uh the character the the actor playing mcduff is uh john stead and he is a expert in stage combat. He is actually um, has been for many years the head of stage combat at Stratford. Ah, and he also, oh. and he also does uh, does uh, stunt work and fight choreography for a lot, a lot, a lot of movies. Too many to mention. He was he was in an earlier episode, though. Yes, he was. He was in a he was in the episode where he was uh, practicing the fight Jerry. with Jerry. Yeah. Hmm. And I didn't look him up at that time, but uh, but I was sort of just glancing through the cast and realized that he was. Uh, Major, major player at Stratford. And that's really cool because it is good to have at least one guy who's like totally in control and knows what's going on. He's also the uh, the uh, fight choreographer for Slings and Arrows. I, I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine. Of course he is. So. I mean, there was that big duel in the first season. Oh, there you go. I don't know if he was involved with that, but... <laughs> uh, uh, Jason Voorhees. Pardon me? <laughs> yes. There was a uh, Friday Thirteenth reference that was thrown out, which I thought yeah, was pretty was. funny. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. It was funny. I laughed at it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the show, Henry assaults Jeffrey about all of the shenanigans, but uh, <laughs> Jeffrey points out all the adoring cheers. And mm-hmm. uh, after resolving that situation by pointing out the adoring cheers, uh, Ellen hits Jeffrey also. He totally deserved it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is the uh, this is the opportunity where. Uh, this is the only opportunity during the uh, breakneck pace of actually producing the uh, show at the, after the show is actually over and they're going for the curtain call that uh, he can actually talk to Ellen about uh, having stripped him naked on stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
briefly. She said Who? She, Wait, what? She said she was sorry. She said she did say she was very <laughs> sorry. 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 Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, Henry got to, at the curtain call, basically said, uh, yeah, as they were walking out to, the, to, to take their bows, uh, you stripped me naked on stage, and she again said she was sorry. <laughs> yep. And, uh, following the production, the box office is packed. Mr. Gilchrist is back, the, uh, the teacher who, uh, at the beginning of the season, had the penny-throwing students. <sighs> he wants to get all his student tickets back, and to Anna's delight, she can't offer him anything. <laughs> They're sold out. She can't even hardly offer him uh, two tickets for his wife and him together. Two seats together. Yes, not important. Doesn't have to be. <sighs> Richard auditions. Frank and Cyril watch proudly as he sings very well, but then uh, off camera comes the <laughs> unfortunate dance rehearsal or dance uh, audition. <laughs> uh, I thought yeah. the <laughs> the joke about the cousin having palsy was kind of funny. Yeah. I know that's a little. Like, I don't know, blue or whatever, but I thought that was pretty funny. I thought it was funny, too. A little politically incorrect, perhaps. Politically incorrect, yeah, yes. that's what I'm looking for. Um, but I can totally relate. I, I know that there was, uh, there, was, there was an acting one class where, the, where a former Miss Montana was leading us through a, a couple of simple steps, and I was kind of sitting at the back going, I, I, I can't make head or tail of this. I, I, yeah. know, I know this is a combination of three simple steps. I can't do it. I, I'm totally just not. Really? Or well, it was acting two, but in any case, it was Karen. It was Karen, and it was acting one. One, yeah. And I remember. It was over Have at- you ever taken dance lessons? I have not taken dance lessons, no. Like even just like uh, for fun, like in your later he life, can't, he would never go with me, Ben. I'm just saying. Well, I had one. I had one <laughs> friend who was offering to to teach dance lessons, but uh, it's uh, someone that, that Darcy wants to gouge their eyes out. So, Why, uh, yeah, uh, that's probably a good idea not to. See it's her. probably best not to have her teach us how to dance together. That would be bad. I thought it might. Amy, have you ever taken dance lessons? No, no, I have not. I have taken. Believe it or not, when I was a very little kid, I have taken cheerleading lessons. Also, I have taken marching band, but those are the only physical disciplines. Yes, marching band involves a lot of choreography. In fact, we did a little bit of our rehearsal in our school's dance classroom with, with, I believe, a dance instructor at one point. Mm. And we did incorporate a few dance moves into several of our shows. But yes, so I I only know a little. And I can probably, I'm 95% sure if you gave me directions and I rehearsed for a bit i could probably handle some dance steps like the ones richard did yeah i i i i'm i'm definitely a richard in this case <laughs> i'd be fine. i could hold my own you could hold your own i'm sure yeah you've well you've taken a lot of dance classes yeah i took dance as a kid you've taken tap all you've through. taken yeah, modern. yeah 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 I could time step all around this. Place. And of course, this makes me think of the Ohio State Band, marching band. Oh my God, they are oh, amazing! They, they are. are so cool. Yeah, okay. they are. There you go. Tangent. Oh, I yeah. love. I love that tangent, though. That was. Yeah, they are a, amazing. I, I had to, once we were on that part of the tangent. I had to bring it up. Yeah. Yep. They are really cool. To get off the tangent, I loved. Uh, I put a couple of notes. I hope this isn't stealing someone's quote, but either Frank or Cyril says that when they're watching Richard audition, it's like the. Like he's the son we'll never have. Def- pretty definitely confirming that they are a couple, as we were discussing in our last recording session. Yes. Oh, yeah. I totally agree that this, this episode really did cement their relationship, in my mind. Yeah, in several places, especially this. Especially this, but... Right. I, I think that they were pretty obvious this time around. And that 
Yep. And also, Richard really, actually is really good at singing. And I'm so rewarding. I mean, sorry, let me start over. It's so rewarding to see that Frank and Cyril's opinion of Richard has been completely turned around by Richard's decision to follow his stage musical dreams. Mm-hmm. Yay. I agree. That was nice. Um, Jeffrey and Ellen have a awkward chat about the sh- about the slap, sort of. Not really a resolution. And uh, Richard mopes about his bum audition with Jeffrey. <laughs> but everybody has a bad audition. Yeah. Don't yeah. they? Oh, although, I yeah, wanted the, to ask. Not, it's not usually a, a bad audition where everybody that's a colleague of yours and a coworker finds out about your audition afterwards. <laughs> you're, usually a, you're usually a lone actor, not associated mm-hmm. with everybody else in the entire pr- company. Yeah, I suppose. True. About that, uh, Richard asks Jeffrey, how do actors deal with the rejection? Jeffrey answers, they drink. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure one or both of Paul and Darcy can confirm the truth of this. Am I right? Oh hell yes! Oh actors, hell yes! Actors drink like fish. They like drink fish. fish. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're of age or not. They'll find a bar in a theater town that where they can be served. Them in <laughs> and they'll drink like fish and end up on the floor with a dog named Buick. That's a, that's a, that's a different town. Is that where you're of age at, with Buick? You're right. You're right. But. <laughs> But uh, I don't. I can't remember if I was served underage at, at uh, Eagles. But Eagles I know, always. Yeah. But I know that I, I knew like uh, Corinne and Shane got served at Eagles. We all got served at Eagles. I don't know if I got served at Eagles. I didn't get. I didn't get served to Access. Well, you were also. I don't know. Goody goody. You were kind of a goody goody. I I drank uh like once or twice before I was of age, but I never drank to Access until after I was of age. And you most certainly did. Then I worked on it really hard. Then Then I worked on it really hard. Kept going, still going, right now, right this second. Right, I hear, I hear the ice cubes. (laughs) I think they were audible. Crispling. That's podcasting fluid. I think that's been well established by the Farpoint Media crew. Yep, it definitely has. (laughs) Uh, But of course, if you are uh, troubled by alcohol, uh, visit your local AA. That's right. That's right. Don't. Kids don't drink. Don't drink unless you just did a show, then you can drink like fish. Yes, there you go. All right. Um, Jeffrey chats to Oliver about Richard and uh, then suddenly uh, realizes the sorry state of his life having soup with a ghost and uh, states, that, states that the uh, collaboration is over, isn't it? Mm, yep. Well, there's another season left. There is another <laughs> season of, uh, of Slings and Arrows, so I can't really say. I don't really know. I don't really know if Oliver could could possibly be back in the third season. Uh, who knows? Could it? Could he be? You know. <laughs> I think that he obviously. I I think he <laughs> will come back. I'm pretty sure that um, that actor is on the DVD cover. Well, I could be wrong, but uh, could be wrong. Spoilers. All of the newbies that are watching along with us, you you don't necessarily know that. All right. All right. Well, I don't necessarily know that. I'm just kind of thinking of what is on the uh, Amazon. Well, there you go. Uh, icon. There you go. All right. There I go. There you go. Um, and she goes. Yeah, as Jeffrey departs, she goes again. <laughs> I prefer the Laws version of that song, which has been done about three or four times. Okay. The Laws is the best. The Laws is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Which cat agrees. Which cat? That was Lexus. The other one is ignoring us. Okay. As she should. Jeffrey gives, speech. Jeffrey gives oh, his gift to the corporate sponsor, Mr. Henderson, 
who after uh, saying the obligatory, uh, we work for a technology company and we have a bunch of things to say about technology and, and corporate good stuff, uh, then gives an anecdote about his wife who cannot attend tonight. Uh, Ellen is affected by that speech just as the show opens, leaves the house, and uh, later watches with Jeffrey in the wings, where they discuss love, Romeo and Juliet, being losers, taxes. Taxes. <laughs> Don't get around to death, but uh, death and taxes. <laughs> Do certain things. There you go. Yep. But being losers in taxes, apparently, also mm-hmm. can go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in our case, it's losers in medical bills. Mm. And taxes. Mm. We still have to do the tax. Well, we have to do the taxes, but we've always had a good uh, return. Yeah, we've always, yeah, that's because we pay all the money in the medical bills. There you, there go. you go. Okay. No depression here. No. Okay. More booze. More booze. More booze. That helps depression, right? <laughs> Speaking of booze, uh, after this scene, they go to the bar. Yes. Yes, there you go. After this, at the bar, uh, there's little dribs and drabs of conversation. Darren talks about Godspell in the 80s. Henry and Jerry talk about the nude scene. And uh, Mr. Archer, who is finally named right in this scene. Yep. Yeah. Uh, congratulates Richard and then seems to offer him Jeffrey's job. Is that what it is? That's what I thought. That's what he like- sounds like he's doing, but he's saying it's off the record as well. No, I understand that he offered him a job. I thought that he was... I, I thought he was offering a, Mr. Archer's job. I couldn't figure out what he just got offered. Yeah, no, he said that he said that the, 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 uh, the theater needs an artistic director who has business savvy. Okay. And why hire a crazy artist to hire all the other crazy artists? Then he mm-hmm. says, would you That's like right. the job? But, he's, but he also says that he's speaking off the record, so... Right. Mm-hmm. So interpret that as you will. I can't reveal a thing. Tee-hee. hee because I know Because I know all. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and I will appears. be waiting eagerly for that to be revealed. And then Sloan appears with his date Tuesday, who looks somewhat uptight <laughs> and uh, down at the end of the bar. We never meet her. Um, he's outraged that Jeff and Ellen are broken up. And after he yeah. rants and raves about that, uh, they decide to depart, having a nod with Brian, knowing look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that. I really liked that acknowledging knowing look between Brian and Jeffrey. They just smiled. And then we have a fake out. It looks like it's the end. They're using Call the Understudy, but uh, <laughs> but it's not quite the end. Yeah, that was kind of cool. That was cool. I like When they it. did the very first part of this, Yes. like the before they made the same, is that the actual footage from the uh, opening of season one? Like just, but then they have a cut, so obviously it's new footage, but... Or do you think they just staged it? I think that to be uh, exactly the same. I think that the opening for this season and this uh, this scene were all because uh, I know that the first season was gang shot. All location, you know, basically any location in Richard's office was all shot in Richard's office. All at the all six episodes, all at the same time. Oh wow! So oh, they wow. they gang they gang shot every location during the first season. I'm not sure if they gang shot the second season quite the same way, but there are the same people seated in the same positions in the opening of this yeah. of, of every episode of season two and in this performance of this song so uh so it's obviously somewhat gang shot right but call the understudy is the is the closing opening. no closing it's always been the closing it's always been over the closing credits with no uh what was the hamlet song then what was the opening it's song cheer up hamlet cheer up hamlet okay, okay. yeah okay now, call the understudy has always been off camera 
but the, like I said, the the this the uh, the pan back and forth. The, there's a one one character who kind of looks like Lionel Train, but isn't Lionel Train. That is in that is in the exact same position at the bar during ep- opening of every episode of this season, and also during the pan when they pan to Richard being passed out eventually. Yeah. He's, okay. He's the same. It's just same guy, same position. So it looks like gang shot at least for that. I totally caught the 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 restaging of a similar thing, and then tacking on the song. I just kind of maybe I just mix those into my head together. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, both both seasons, the opening scene, the opening song credits, or the opening credits song rather, was produced at the bar with the two of them at the piano. So uh, right. Okay. But obviously, the uh, second season song was not shot gang shot with the first season because they didn't know there was a second second season at the time. Right. Right. That makes sense. But yeah, I was I was surprised to find that the 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 first season was entirely all six episodes gang shot for location for location. Yeah, that is actually super surprising. Um, I guess that seems surprising because when you think of a television show in America, mm-hmm. they don't always have all of the episodes written out at the beginning of the season. Yeah, depending on the That's right. depending depending on the show, they can be producing up to almost the uh, the week of release. Right. I know that uh, Moonlighting, the the series Moonlighting, was always famous for going into the editing room after shooting the whole episode and then putting in a a, a, a you know a, a cold open that was completely a joke because they ran short because all of the speeches went too fast. Mm. <laughs> so uh, if you ever watched Moonlighting, whenever Dave and Maddie did a little little talk to the audience for fun at the beginning of the episode, it was because the episode ran short and they were, they were filling time. They were so, they were yeah they were they had, literally had to fill time because they came in from edit during the week of release and had to shoot something real quick. So there you go. Interesting. That is interesting. But, uh, I mean, depending on the American series, they, they do, uh, they do run much closer to air than, uh, than an entire season worth. But of course it is only six episodes as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They did state they were following the British miniseries model, which works. It does. Uh, but it, basically, this last scene with call the understudy, it's, it's pretty close to the last bit of the show. Uh, we see Lionel and Ellen, uh, Apparently, having made up, uh, they 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 were they were having a conversation during the previous during the previous dribs and drabs of conversation, but they were definitely uh, making out hardcore at mm-hmm. the at the bar. Hardcore make out, hardcore make out time. Uh, Richard was passed out at the bar. We get to see uh, briefly uh, back at the theater, Naomi rolling out the ghost light for Romeo and Juliet. Uh, um, yay, ghost light! Yep. Jeffrey and Ellen are together mm-hmm. in bed, and Brian gets a soliloquy moment. With Oliver looking on, and of course I had to look it up. I did not. I'm not. I don't have the quote written down, but it is uh, Richard the Second, Act Two, Scene One. Thank you. I was kind of hoping, and I don't think that this is was where the way it went. But I was kind of hoping that it was going to be revealed that Brian was able to see Oliver the whole time too. Yeah, it seemed like they were implying almost, but they weren't going to. They weren't going to confirm. Well, Brian never acknowledged the uh, presence. No. Yeah, and it it, it was kind of implied that Oliver said, get me one, too, and was disappointed that he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. A slightly melancholy end to the season. It it was, but that's okay. Slightly. I mean, mean, everyone was together and having a good time. Oliver was not, but... uh, Yep. Poor Oliver. I feel bad for him. I do. It's Mm -hmm. gotta suck being dead. He even (laughs) said so. It was horrible. He did. It could be worse. You could be the dead man. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, are, yeah. uh, and we are two-thirds of the way through this, uh, this television series. Yep. I, I wrote down in my notes, Oliver's hanging around in the bar, but Brian doesn't react to him, so apparently he can't see him. Also, I need to 
Also, so Oliver's still hanging around the living world, but if Jeffrey won't spend any, any time with him, apparently he has no one to socialize with him at all. So, yeah, that's why Darcy and I feel so sorry for him. Yes. So, there, so uh, yeah. as, as I said, there we are. We are two-thirds of the way through the series. Yes, we are. And uh, we have uh, finished this episode summary. Um, we can move on to quotes unless someone has uh, as closing thoughts. I mean, we, we are going to look at the predictions for next season that near the end of this episode after after quoting. Uh, let's move on to quotes. Uh, who wants to go first? Me, me, Darcy me. wants to go first. And, okay. and this is uh, Naum. He said, "Naum, uh, yeah, how Ellen. could you?" And he says, "I must confess, I love drama." <laughs> this is following Ellen, Ellen's release from the uh, from the awesome. locked dressing room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may have stolen my quote, Darcy. Oh, I'm oh. so sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I do don't the, have another do the one. Palsy <laughs> one. Do the palsy one. Yes. I don't know the palsy okay. one. Okay. Okay. He looks cut. like my cousin. Have a, who does this cut, remind cut. me? I'll of? tell you. I'll tell you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Who does he remind me of? Uh, my, cousin my cousin Charlie. 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 The one with the palsy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, now say it. Say it now fresh, say Ben. It. We'll edit it in. Okay, go. Uh, no, I'm gonna pick a different one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how about once more into the breach? Is what he says. What um, Oliver says. Oliver says right before. Uh, right before entering as the ghost. As the ghost, right mm-hmm. before the ghost appears. Sorry, I got a Snapchat in the middle of all that. Ooh. <laughs> That's okay. Hopefully, not a naked Snapchat. Ooh. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. <laughs> Shall I go next? Yes. Okay. A week. Okay, here's my first choice. Naum says, "Good choice. An empty chair is better." Uh, that was the only one that we that I have on here that we haven't touched on. The other one I wrote down was Jeffrey to Jerry. Okay, that was maybe a little Friday the Thirteenth. Lose yeah, it next time. A- Definitely, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> All right, this this one I noticed only after after reviewing it like three or four times. I don't know if it was obvious to anybody because of the Let context. Ben go next. I'm done. I don't Ben's have any. Oh, okay. Ben had Ben Ben okay. Ben. Uh, okay. You res- you usurped his quote, and then he went next after that. Okay. With, uh, okay. Okay. Once more into the breach. All right. Okay. This one. Um, this is actually in the context of the uh, of the naked Macbeth scene. We've got uh, the character of Lady Macbeth saying, "Look like the innocent flower," and then Henry says, "Ellen, I'm not prepared." And she says, "But be the serpent underneath it," and takes his pants off at that exact moment. <laughs> Yes, the, the quote is, look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent underneath it. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that was a penile joke? I'm saying that it ended up being a penile <laughs> joke. I don't know if it is one in the show itself. I don't believe no, so. it's not. It's just the timing and the a- uh, acting they did that made it one. Yes. Uh, but otherwise, the other things I have written down, we've covered. Okay. We did uh, the uh, the sun we've never... I'm getting quite teary. It's like watching the sun we'll never have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can move on to ratings at this point. I think we're ready to rate, and then we'll move on to th- uh, predicting next season. I think we are. Okay, sure. I would like to offer uh, Ben the first shot at <laughs> at, uh, at claiming a rating system. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was um, it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot more than I don't know. I think as a season as a whole it kind of was like crammed all together mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of stuff was happening especially around like the third or fourth episode 
But uh, I really enjoyed the way they tied all this up, minus the violation of Henry, uh, mm. even though he is the villain and the protagonist of the antagonist. Thing. Yes. Antagonist. Yes, antagonist. yes, yes. Uh, I'm still going to give it, I'll give it, I'll give it eight. I'll give it eight out of ten uh, youth quakes. Very good, very good. Um, Amy? Good one. This episode, I was, I had just had so many moments of sheer delight for me. I'm really torn between nine and ten, so I'll go with nine and a half out of ten chess piece headdresses. <laughs> very nice. All right, Darcy, your shot at uh, doing a rating. My shot at doing a rating. I, you know, it, it's, um, I, I enjoyed it. It, it, uh, it had a lot of great humor, one-liners, um, brought the plot where it needs to be. I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it eight giant goth guys out of ten. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think I, I, I personally agree with, and I will. Uh, I will give this uh, this brief spoiler. Well, it's not really a spoiler because we're we're at the uh, at the end of the season. Uh, the Onion AV Club <coughs> said, and I agree that the uh, that episode five of six of this season was the the best. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I definitely thought that this you know this definitely got got around to wrapping everything up and everything. So that's that's all very very good. I give it an eight of ten glow paint smeared bodies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, if anyone wants to know, I could have I have the uh, the assignment for next week and the assignment for next show of the season of the series. I would like to know just because I'm confused as to whether or not we're doing season three or the movie. We're doing a movie next. <gasps> ah. Yay! The assignment for next week is the uh, film the, the 2002 film by um, Paul Gross, Men with Brooms. Excellent. Now, remind me, Paul Gross is... Jeffrey. Jeffrey? Okay. Yes, Paul Gross is Jeffrey, and he is responsible for writing and directing and scoring and a lot of other things. Scoring? Interesting. Holy crap. The film Men with Brooms, starring Paul Gross and Leslie Nielsen as the two major (laughs) players. Uh, Also, Molly Parker, um, who is, uh, I believe, also somewhat well-known for roles outside of Canada. It is a Canadian film through and through about the sport of curling. <laughs> which oh, I wow, was just, really? Which I was just watching on TV this afternoon. So, oh, cool. I missed the curling? Scrub! Some of it was on TV this afternoon, yes. Uh, the U.S. lost really painfully to Russia this afternoon. <sighs> Wait a second. So this is a movie from 2002 about curling. Yes, before curling was an Olympic sport, I believe it was before. I believe that was just after, or just as it was uh, the last year of it being a uh, exhibition uh, Olympic sport. And so let's see, two thousand two plus so two thousand six. We're thinking is when curling became a thing. That I sounds think, about right. I think so. I, I know that uh, I know that while Darcy and I were separated, uh, uh, I dated someone when we talked about the, uh, the the sport of curling and being at the Olympics. So. Sorry. <laughs> Who wants to Google that one? No, I think 2006 is right. That makes that sounds correct. So it's just it's just interesting. That's a bold choice for anyone who doesn't live in Canada and had no idea what the <laughs> hell curling was until 2006. Yeah, so I'll, I will get into all my curling anecdotes uh, when we actually do the uh, do the movie. Mm. All right, <laughs> but uh, I knew what the hell curling was before. Well, your dad curls. Yes, so my go. dad does curling and has for some time. So. 
cool. Quite some time. Oh, this is going to be fun. I'm, I, I, I went ahead and Googled that. Paul's yes. in the uh, house. Sorry. I just, in 2006. No, cute. In the house. Put the, come on, baby, put the rock in the house. <laughs> and Jonathan Colton's song Curl is, uh, is uh, Creative Commons, so uh, I'm sure we'll have to use it. Oh, sweet. What was the date, Amy? I went ahead. I am on the Wikipedia page. Curling has been an official sport in the Winter Olympic Games since the 1998 Winter Olympics. Oh, wow. So that really, right. that really surprised me, too. Yeah, so 2002 was after it had already been an Olympic right. sport once and was was once again. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was, however, the Wiki article goes on to say, in February 2002, the International Olympic Committee retroactively decided that the curling competition from the 19... 19- 24 Winter Olympics, originally called Semaine des Sports de Hiver, sorry, I don't speak French, sure. or International Winter Sports Week, yes. would be considered official Olympic events and no longer be considered demonstration events. So that was hmm. interesting. So they retroactively said every other demonstration of it was it was actually for real. Evidently. Yeah. All right. Cool. Did, they um, get, did they all get medals? It said, it, the next sentence is, Thus, the first Olympic medals in curling, which at the time was played outside, were awarded for the 1924 Winter, Ga- Winter Games, with the gold medal won by Great Britain and Ireland, two silver medals by Sweden, and the bronze by France. A, a demonstration tournament was also, also held during the 1932 Winter Olympic Games between four teams from Canada and four teams from the U.S., with Canada winning 12 games to four. And that's the end of the paragraph, so mm-hmm. I don't... And the end of the section, so I, that's, that's that's all really the information cool, I have right now. That's awesome. All right, yeah. so so next time we will be discussing the movie Men with Brooms. However, I will also t- give the uh, the uh, assignment for the next episode for season three because we are going to have to do predictions. So, oh, yeah. so the first episode of season three of Slings and Arrows is called Divided Kingdom. Hmm. Hmm. Oh well, they're going to do Romeo and Juliet. And I can't really say what Divided Kingdom refers to or anything like that right now. We're just going to go with uh, th- that it is called Divided Kingdom and ask just based on the first two seasons and knowing uh, some of the players that may be involved, what is your predictions? My prediction is that this is definitely going to be Romeo and Juliet just because those are the three major Shakespeare plays, Hamlet, Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet. True enough. I I do I think I I have a prediction regarding what it means in the concept uh, I mean in the context of the New Bourbon Shakespeare Festival between Richard and Jeffrey oh. I am sure they are going to do something with um Mr Archer's unofficial offer of the position of artistic director to Richard mm. so that's mm. that's going to happen and then Gosh, I'm trying to think. Is that what is it? War of the Roses? Are we Richard the Third? Huh? I can see I Richard the Third. I got a hunch I'm gonna be king. <sighs> the reason why I'm a little shaky on Romeo and Juliet, I think that would be great, but we just had Romeo and Juliet this season, so maybe they're not gonna do it in next season. Thank you for the tall guy reference. You're welcome. Tall guy, uh, film with uh, Emma Thompson and uh, and. Um, um, that guy Jeff in a little jacket. Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, Emma Thompson, awesome movie. Mm-hmm. About a fictional production of Richard III as a musical, including the song, I've Got a Hunch, I'm Gonna Be King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Darcy, do you have a prediction about slings and arrows and not the tall guy? 
I, I that is my prediction that it's going to be Richard the Third. Okay, yeah, I'm probably wrong. Hmm. Is there a divided kingdom in that play? Yeah, I mean, there's a divided kingdom in a lot of his plays, right? Yeah, it's a War of the Roses. It's all that good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know War of the Roses. I know that is a divorce film with Michael Douglas, which was awesome. Which was, you know, I mean, it, it really should have been the third uh, Romancing the Stone movie. I suppose. I suppose, really but been. it was. It's funnier. Uh, I don't know. I'm such a big fan of Romancing the Stone, and Julia and I was such a disappointment. I wanted a third collaboration between all those folks to be another one of those, but better. Yeah, like uh, the Indiana Jones series. There you go. Yeah, you're right. Was uh, Jewel of the Nile a prequel? No, I don't think so. I don't think it quite fits. No. Because it was definitely what they were trying to do. I mean, if you look at his character, he definitely looks like a poor man's Indiana Jones. Yes. Like a, I think it's modern, right? It's not. Yes, it is modern. Uh, I believe we're on a big, huge tangent for the end of our episode ding, here. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> you just broke. You broke something in me. I haven't seen those movies in forever, and I can't. I would love to. I wonder if they're streaming on Netflix. Yes, I, I, have, I have. I have. I have opinions about those two movies and the the third one that was. You watched way too much cable. I remember loving. I them didn't as have cable until '86. Did you like? Re- oh, that's way before I had it. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, we I didn't I mean, have we, cable till. Uh, Early '90s, just for one year, Whoa. and then I had all the with my dad. The city, we had cable in '81. The city of Saint Paul. MTV. The city of Saint Paul did not have cable until '86. That is why we did not have cable. It's not because of my family. It was because that's when Saint Paul installed cable. Wow. No, we. Well, I think actually, because Colorado, I think was, I think Denver was the first test market uh-huh. of cable for. Homes. Is that is that not true? Uh, to some extent, I know that cable television as a, as a thing was developed in New York, I believe, on Long Island in the '60s. In terms of just in terms of uh, a central uh, antenna taking down programs for uh, for a for a citywide audience. Right, but we had we had the antennas in Colorado. We had the HBO antennas. And well, we had HBO we antennas had in St. Paul in, as in well. In '81, we got cable, and then we had cable before MTV. And I remember when MTV started eighty two. Well, so see, my, that's my, how old I am. My, my touchstone for remembering that it was eighty six was that uh, we had because MTV was in full swing and they they did their uh, their top twenty videos every afternoon and oh, yeah. and uh, and David Lee Roth's tribute to the Statue of Liberty, which was having its uh, having its bicentennial uh, or centennial. Centennial? Centennial. Centennial. Yeah, it's yep. actually literally having a centennial Yankee Rose. Mm. Ah, ding, ding, ding. There you go. Tangent Bell. <laughs> well. <laughs> Cable's awesome. Cable's awesome. Cable. Okay. Um, so we have our predictions. Um, so uh, the actual assignment for next week is Men with Brooms. Uh, if no one else has anything else to wrap up this season, I can say uh, good night. Good night from uh, Minnesota, from Darcy and I. Good night. Good good night from Nebraska, from Amy Bowen. Good night from Chicago. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Was was Ben being Oliver? He sounded so sad. Don't be sad, Ben. And good night, everybody. That's it. Good night. And end of episode. Macbeth is crazy, Lady Macbeth is sexy, King Duncan is silly, Prince Malcolm's a dolly, Banquo's got an apple, Macduff finds Duncan. The Ghostlight Podcast and many other fine podcasts can be found at quadruplez.com. 
You can send your own feedback to us in a number of ways. We are on Twitter at GhostlightPC. Find us at Facebook.com slash groups slash GhostlightPodcast. Please keep discussion there spoiler-free. If you want to comment on future episodes, the newbies don't check the phone or email. Call our voicemail line, 206-309-9389. Or email us, theghostlightpodcast at gmail.com. The theme music for Season 2 is Macbeth on Broadway by Jonathan Mann and is used by permission. Find out about all of Jonathan's work at jonathanmann.com. for a little while, but he's driven slowly mad. Haunted by the ghosts of those he's slain He goes back to the witches They say beware Macduff So Macduff's wife and child are killed with great pain <laughs> Okay, we don't actually have to wait very long Because I edited that in anyway I know ah, But yeah It's fun That is fun And uh, I, spoilers, it's the last, last show with that song Aww Aww Mm-hmm. I wonder what the next uh, one is going to be. I have I've no got idea. A, I've got a, I, I, I've not, I once again have not pre-researched. I don't, oh. I don't think it can be as awesome as the first two, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. The first one was really awesome, and then we were like, we'll never find anything awesome, and you did. Then so. I found out that was you. Did I find that one? You t- t- totally found that one. Oh, I don't remember that. I was the one who emailed him. Thanks for giving me the credit. I don't think I really did that, though. I give you the credit on the first podcast of really? the season. Yep. Oh, gosh. It was the second or third one down. Oh. Yes. Where have I been? You were checking out and picking out a song. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um. Out on the battlefield, Macbeth hears a scream. His loving wife is dying. In a battle with Macduff, Macbeth fights and loses. Macbeth is going to the other side. Macbeth's gone. Right. Not to interrupt the flow, but we're about to lay the smack down. Oh, no smack down. Just everybody to bed. I'll find it. Okay. <laughs> Good. I thought I lost it. Darcy's going to find it, though. Darcy's going to find it. Ben thought he lost it. <laughs> thought I was going crazy. Get it? Yeah. Because I lost it. Lost it. I have just realized that I have not eaten since I've gotten home. So I wonder you should. how late the Thai place is open. That's how oh. I suppose I should uh, I should ask uh, Jonathan Mann if he has a song about <coughs> Shark. <laughs> Careful there. Oh, I am don't not spoiled. Play. Oh, don't worry. What the next play is going to be? Don't worry. I stopped. I stopped on purpose. <laughs> that was an intentional stopped statement. <laughs> Where's the blankie? Which is funny because sometimes the blankie can be in in the room all night long, in the living room all night long, and it doesn't get noticed at all. So, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go aid. Okay, what? aid and a bet, Paul. Aid and a bet. Check out your Thai place. <laughs> I am. All right. Uh, I have directions. I have a telephone number. I have everything but hours of operation. Hmm. Hmm. That's odd. Maybe it's already closed. Where could it have gone? It's gotta be in her room. Oh, it is. Nice. They didn't even look. Nope, obviously not. 
after extensive search, it was within two feet of her in her bed. So there you go. <sighs> well, let's hope that's the end of that. It might be the end of that. No word on the uh, Thai place. Oh, dear. I know. Sorry. Yeah, he realized he hasn't eaten since he's been home. Oh. We, we were almost in a similar situation, except we used the uh, national chain pizza delivery joint down the, down the, uh, down the way. Yeah. Uh, well, if, if need be, I can just go to 7-Eleven. Yes. And buy junk food. We don't have 7-Eleven in the state anymore. Mm, I love Slurpees. They were driven out by Super America. I miss mm. a good Slurpee. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we getting back into it now? We're about to get back into it. Um, we, we left okay. off with the... Uh, Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. He doesn't, thank you. He's not wearing headphones. Do you want to wear headphones, Fox? Yeah, sure. Mom's still, Mom's still doing a story, so. Yeah, I'm also worried. Hey, guys, I'm wearing an eye patch also. Nice, like a pirate? Yeah. I nice. got it for Valentine's Day today for my mom and dad. Very cool. It was, I, wish I got that for It was part of his card. Ah. <laughs> pirate Valentine? Yeah. yeah. Why did the pirate go see the movie? Uh, I don't know. Because it was rated R. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh, what's a cow's favorite drink? What? Smoothies. Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and what does a cow do at a movie theater? What? Watch movies. Yes, you've got some sophisticated puns for an eight-year-old. What do you call a cow on a pogo stick? Um, jumping cow? A milkshake. Milkshake. <laughs> milkshake. Good one. <laughs> oh, knock, knock. Who's there? Butternut. Butternut who? Butternut let me in. My feet are muddy. <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting Boo. cow. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> oh, knock knock. Who's there? Uh, boo. Boo who? Are you crying? Oh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I have another one. Knock knock. Who's there? Woo. Woo who? Are you having a party? Cause I'm not invited. <laughs> Also very good. Um, knock, knock. Who's there? Either. Either who? Either bunny. Knock, knock. Who's there? Another. Another who? Another either bunny. Knock, knock. Who's there? Stella. Stella who? Stella another either bunny. Knock, knock. Who's there? Consumption. Consumption who? Consumption be done about all these either bunnies? Knock, knock. Who's there? Cargo. Cargo who? Cargo beep beep and run over all the either bunnies. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? Don't cry either bunny be back next year. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange you glad this is almost the end? Knock knock. Who's there? Dishes. Dishes who? Dishes the end. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Wow. 
That's a big long one. Yeah. <laughs> you think she's reading the Skippy John Jones book in there? Probably. Cirque de Olay. Cirque de Olay. <laughs> you don't get to watch Slings and Arrows with us. I know that. I suppose technically you could watch Supernatural with us, but it might be scary. Oof. What's wrong with Slings and Arrows? I guess there's well, I guess there's a lot of situations. <laughs> Situ- uh, situations yeah. and language. Language, yeah. Hold I was on. thinking more like violence, but yeah, yeah. I mean, other side of that. Oh, I have a good well, knock, I mean, knock joke. Oh yeah. All right, knock, okay, knock. Go. Who's there? Woo. Woo hoo. I meant who. Who who. Are you an owl? <laughs> there you go. That one's pretty good. Actually, Fox Fox has heard most of the bad language because uh, mom doesn't filter, but <laughs> but he doesn't repeat. He knows that there's bad places to say things, not bad words. Right, right. Like, I, I, heard, I heard that one from Jim, Jim DeRogatis. Who's that? He's a reporter. He's a music reporter. Does that mean he does this? What are you doing? He's, I'm taking a video. You're taking it? No, no, he's not a video reporter. He's a, he's a, he's a newspaper and radio reporter. He so reports on rock music, but his, his kid said something at school that wasn't appropriate, and he had to tell his kid that there's no bad words, there's just bad times to say words. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what Ramjack would say about that. I don't know. I, th- I, mean, I, I mean, I agree with it. It's pretty agreeable, yeah. I think. Yeah. Totally. Well, Fox, yes. I think your interview is at an end or close to. Close to. Yes, I, I think, think Mom finished up the story. I didn't know that thing got that fast. What thing? The story. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't Skippy John Jones. Maybe it was just the shortest one, like give a moose a muffin. Maybe it was give a moose a muffin. Yeah. If you give a moose a muffin, it'll never go away. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the same thing if you give a mouse a cookie, which is the one that I had. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. All right, sir. Well, Mom is coming for her chair and her yeah. headphones. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to have to go. Right. All right. Bye, Bye Fox. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Ha- Good night. Happy, happy Valentine's Day. You too. Thank you. That was all warmed up for me, did you? Yeah, it's all warmed up. The seat and the headphones. Excellent. We got all our knock-knock jokes out of the way. And the knock-knock jokes are done. Okay, the headphones are on. Yeah. Yay. We're good. Yep.